Welcome to season two of Talking PFAS. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I recommend that you have a listen to season one to catch up on some of the foundational chats we had about PFAS. I'm your host, Kayleen Bell. Last episode, I brought you a story from Diane and David, cattle producers in Oakey, Queensland. And today I'm bringing you another story from Oakey. Today's episode will have some new facts about the PFAS contamination in Oki, but I encourage you to listen to episode 13, which will also give you additional information not in this episode. Oki is the largest regional town in the Toowoomba region with a population of around 4,500. One of the many attractions in Oki is a majestic life-sized bronze sculpture of a famous racehorse, Burnborough, who is described as arguably Queensland's greatest horse by Queensland Racing. Jennifer Spencer has worked in the thoroughbred industry for many years and had dreams of training racehorses on her own property in Oakey. And my idea was to have a nice little property where I could have a couple of racehorses, particularly a couple of our neighbours have really good setups for their racehorses and I just thought, well, that could be me. In 2012, Jennifer and her partner Chris bought a property in Oakey so Jennifer's dream could become a reality. When it became available for sale, we just knew we had to have it. It had a beautiful bore and the bore, it was well equipped. It was pumping 960 gallons per hour and I knew that then that I could have a beautiful veggie garden, which I've always attempted to try and have and also too that we wouldn't have any water worries. Jennifer and Chris had no way of knowing their water worries were just about to begin. PFAS chemicals used in AFFF firefighting foam for many decades at the Army Aviation Centre Oki had moved off site and polluted their bore water and later they would discover PFAS in their blood as well. A 2017 report by ACOM estimated that over 1.2 million litres of AFFF firefighting foam concentrate containing PFAS may have been discharged at the Oki Army Aviation Centre since 1970. Defence told Talking PFAS, hydrogeological estimates show the groundwater plume is moving at an average rate of approximately 52 metres per year to the west. Just before we get going today with Jennifer's story, I just want to be open with you. I need to give you a heads up that we will be talking about mental health. It's important to talk about all of these aspects. Many residents have shared with me recently that they are unable to talk about PFAS without it affecting their mental health severely for days. Many of them feel this way because they were disappointed with the election result there was no change in government and many of them feel that there will be no action to help them and there's been no response from the Australian government to the committee's report. Amongst other recommendations, they recommended compensation. The residents also got some more bad news in May when their court date was taken away for those involved in the class action. And just last month in June, the Australian government has stopped the free PFAS blood testing. So now people living in areas affected by PFAS can no longer get their blood tested for free. Also, the government free mental health program that they were providing through Support Now has also stopped at the end of June. So I'm very aware that today's episode might stir up some emotions in people living in our communities. So if today is not a good day for you, I just want to encourage you to just press pause, come back tomorrow or at another time when you feel able to listen. 
The story and information you will hear today is important, but please look after yourself because we will be talking about mental health and there will be a mention of suicide and depression. And please remember that Lifeline is there for you. It's a free service, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 131114. Thank you for listening. Now to today's interview with Jennifer Spencer. Jennifer, do you live on a PFAS contaminated property? Um, We don't actually live on a contaminated property, but we own one, yes. We own a six-acre property that we have our horses and stables on over on Showgrounds Road in Oakey. And uh, we purchased that property in 2012 with the idea that it was going to be our forever retirement place. It was a dream property, really. It was something that I had been looking for basically all my adult life, a place to settle and a nice property that Chris and I could live the rest of our lives on with Mm. our son and our horses and our animals and our chickens and our vegetables and just have the idyllic five-acre lifestyle in a country area, a nice country area. So when you bought that property, what was your plan for it? I had been working over in that area for a couple of the local racehorse trainers and even though I've been in the thoroughbred industry in a different capacity in the past, I decided that I wanted to turn my hand to training because I'd always worked for other trainers on larger properties, you know, in my younger days before I came to Oakey. And my idea was to have a nice little property where I could have a couple of racehorses. I had achieved my open trainer's licence and I needed somewhere that I could use as my base. I based my idea of what I wanted on some of the places where I'd been working. Particularly a couple of our neighbours have um, really good setups for their racehorses and I just thought, well, that could be me. And when we landed on that one and it became available for sale, we just knew we had to have it. Basically love at first sight, I guess, even though it was a bit run down and um, needed a lot of work doing to it. The main thing about that I felt that that was going to be our place was it had a beautiful bore and the bore it was well equipped it was pumping 960 gallons per hour and we also had a one megalitre irrigation license which meant that I could grow a loosened patch down the back and grow some black barley or something to keep the horses something to pick and I knew that then that I could have a beautiful veggie garden which I've always attempted to try and have and also too that we wouldn't have any water worries would that be more than enough water for all of those needs with your horses and the vegetables etc yes it certainly would yes how did you find out about the PFAS we were delivered a letter and it was a letter from the defense department and it was in our mailbox we'd obviously been searched to find out who we were and where our address was because we hadn't at that stage built on that property and we still haven't what year did you get that letter late 2013 early 2014 But when I opened up that letter and read it, I saw the words PFAS and the associated long words that go with that and thought, oh my God, what is this? I just couldn't process it. And I said to Chris, what is this? And I thought, oh my God. And then we found out that it was in the OFFF foam, which is what the letter detailed to us, the firefighting foam that they were using over at the base, and that it had tainted our aquifers and they were investigating what that could be and how it was going to affect us. 
A Defence spokesperson confirmed that in December 2013, Defence contacted residents surrounding the Army Aviation Centre by letter to advise that the investigation would expand to determine if PFAS had migrated beyond the boundaries of the base. The letter advised that the Army Aviation Centre Oki had been proactively undertaking regular assessments of the groundwater system on site at the base and that results of these early assessments indicated there was an impact to the groundwater system that may be a legacy from firefighting training that was undertaken on site between 1970 and 2005. I immediately thought of, you know, when you get a grain of coffee in the sugar bowl, and I just thought, okay, they've put a grain of coffee in the sugar bowl, is it going to affect us in any way? And that was my immediate thoughts. And of course, I've always been a bit of a what I get called around here and that's a bit of a greenie and a bit of a person who always is on the side of looking after water and looking after nature and I don't mean that in a farming sense or a way that irrigators look after water I mean truly looking after our pristine waterways and I've always been interested in you know how water works and and how we can take care of it because This is going off on a tangent, but we're in a lot of trouble with water here in Australia and I don't understand it. Because of drought, Australia does have water worries at the moment, with some towns receiving water by tanker in recent months. Many people on rural properties use groundwater to irrigate their land and also to provide water for their cattle. However, every groundwater source that can no longer be used because it is contaminated with PFAS results in a long-term drain on precious town water supplies. Were your thoughts that this would be something that would be sorted quickly? I just did not know. There was a phone number on that letter, so I phoned that phone number and I was in touch with a man called Mark O'Connell who I subsequently learnt that he was the community liaison person that works over there and is still employed in that capacity. So I spoke to him and he said, oh, Jenny, I'll come and see you. And I said, oh, that would be good. Thank you very much because I need an explanation and I need to know more and I need to know what's happening with the community. I need to know how widespread this is, what's going to happen, what the future holds. I've got a million questions for you. And anyway, he said, yes, I'll come and see you. And that was in about December. And I remember thinking, right, well, I know Christmas is a terrible time to get anything from the government. So I thought, well, I'll settle in for the long haul and give him six weeks. It took him six months to get back to me. Six months. I called Mark O'Connell from Defence and he said he couldn't recall the exact date of his visit to Jennifer, but said he did not believe it took him six months to visit. He suggested, though, that I call the Defence media team for verification, which I did. And a defence spokesperson said home visits commenced in Oki in 2013 and defence continues to visit Oki residents to provide information on the investigation and updates on the remediation works. But in that time that I was waiting for him to come, I'd heard more, I'd researched more and I'd found out a bit more about what was going on. And I had this sense of panic in the background where every day I'd think, I've got to ring him. And he comes to your house. Can you tell me about that visit? Well, when he came, he came to the front door and he he introduced himself and I said hello. He told me that there was an investigation going to take place and we would all be informed and there would be subsequent community meetings and there would be studies started 
And there was no mention of anything like human health risk assessment studies. There was no mention of epidemiological studies. There was no mention of blood testing. There was no mention of how deep and disastrous and how widespread this contamination was. And what about precautionary warnings at that time? Um, To tell you the truth, there was none, except that we were told, do not drink the ball water. A defence spokesperson said in July 2014, following off-base sampling, residents surrounding the base were advised not to drink bore water as a precaution, at which point defence commenced supplying alternative water to affected properties. As the investigation progressed and defence learned more about the nature and extent of PFAS contamination at Oki, this advice remained in place and defence funded long-term alternative water solutions, including town water connections. The latest figures from defence says, At Oki, we have connected 36 properties to town water. In addition, we are paying water use charges at 16 properties that were already connected to town water but can no longer use a bore that they previously used. We installed rainwater tanks at one property. I don't think if within the first 12 months there was even any advice about not eating your own vegetables. There was no precautionary warning around eating your own livestock. There was no mention of any of the precautionary standards that are in place now. The defence response also said, It's important to note that defence is not a health authority and the publication of precautionary health advice for Oki is the responsibility of the Queensland Department of Health. Because I distinctly remember it being a good couple of years before we went to meetings that were held here that those precautionary advices came out. Tell me about the very first community meeting that you ever went to that Defence organised. It's a bit of a blur for me because I've been to so many. But I remember I gathered every piece of paper that was on display and I spoke to everybody that was willing to speak to me. And I do remember distinctly meeting Diane Priddle and forming a bond with her instantly and becoming friends with her and we've stuck together ever since. She's been my comrade in this. I do remember a representative from the Defence Department who has now gone and we've never seen him since. He was one of the presenters and he told us at that meeting that this was going to be the new asbestos. In a 2017 Four Corners episode about PFAS, journalist Linton Besser asked Mr Steve Grezkowiak, Deputy Secretary of Estate and Infrastructure for Defence, some questions about a comment made by a defence employee at a public meeting in Oakey in 2014. Here is a little bit of that interview now, used with Linton Besser's permission. Defence told a public meeting in 2014 in Oakey that this was the new asbestos? I'm aware of that statement that was made by one employee in the Department of Defence. That individual was not qualified to make a statement like that. He shouldn't have said what he said. It was like an electric shock to the people listening. It was uh, a most regrettable occurrence, I have to say. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you might remember in episode four, I discussed PFAS with Associate Professor Robert Niven from the University of New South Wales, Canberra. He has 28 years' experience in all aspects of remediation and he called PFAS the next asbestos. Here is a brief reminder of that conversation. PFASs are new, so this has come from left field. We've, of course, been aware of fluorinated compounds for a long time, but this whole PFAS thing really came on the scene around about five or six years ago and caught us all by surprise, even people like myself. How concerned are you about these chemicals? I am am very concerned. 
I see this as the next asbestos, I really do. And it took from the 1960s approximately to what, to the 1990s before society really came to reject asbestos. And I see this playing out with fluorocarbons as well. This is a really big issue. Can you tell me about the bore testing that took place on Show Grounds Road? We had our bore tested and we were one of the first 75 properties that had that happen. I remember waiting an intolerable amount of time for those results to come back and it was then that I realised that this is where the limbo starts, which we're still in. We were told that we had this substance in our bore. We were told not to drink the bore water but we could still use it to wash our horses and we could still use it to water our plants and trees, which I had been doing for a number of years before that. Our dogs used to drink it, our horses used to drink it, we used to hose the horses with it and I used to water my trees with it and I used to put the sprinkler on until one day Chris got his first blood test back and he said to me, we're turning this bloody bore off and we're not turning it on again and I said, yeah, well I'm in agreement with that, we should have turned it off six months ago. It took us six months to turn off the bore because one, we were in a drought and we had no water, it was like a desert. Two, we had no idea of what we were dealing with And I do like to err on the side of caution, but we needed the water. It was our water supply. We were stuck going to somewhere twice a day where our horses were, where there was no life left there. We were in the severe drought. We had no water to hand. We had water that we weren't going to pump up, even though they said we could, because we knew that we had it in our blood. And we knew that our bore level had a reading that was extremely high. Water samples were taken by defence from the water tank and the bore at Jennifer and Chris's property on Showgrounds Road in 2014. They received their results later that year. They also received a further letter from defence regarding the results on the 2nd of April 2015. This letter advised that the samples from their bore exceeded the US EPA Provisional Health Advisory Guidelines for drinking water. Two years later, in 2016, further testing was carried out on the bore at Jennifer's property. They were advised of the results in a letter dated the 29th of April 2016, which said, Because there are no Australian standards to measure the presence of PFOS or PFOA in human drinking water, Defence, as an interim measure, is using the provisional health advisory values developed in 2009 by the US EPA Office of Water. The Public Health Advisory, also known as PHA values, represent the concentration where action should be taken to reduce exposure to PFOS and PFOA in human drinking water. Jennifer and Chris did not want me to say the levels of PFAS contamination in their bore, but I did review their result. When our first bore test result came back, I didn't know how to interpret those figures and I didn't really know what to do with them, except to know that I looked at those numbers and looked at what the drinking water levels were and all that sort of thing, and I figured our bore is high, this is no good, it's come back as this dangerous amount of PFAS in our bore water, And that was when Chris got his blood test back and then I got my blood test back and we said, no more, it's getting turned off. In 2015, Chris's blood tested positive for PFAS chemicals 
In 2017, when Chris had his blood tested again, one of the levels PFOS had dropped slightly, but for PFHXS it had increased. The testing authority stated, The concentrations measured here are considerably higher than those typically found in the general population. This indicates a specific exposure to these compounds, probably a contaminated water supply or a food source. Jennifer's blood test results in 2015 found concentrations of PFOS, PFOA and PFHXS in her blood. Jennifer did not want to say the levels of PFAS in her family's blood in this podcast, but I did review the results for Jennifer and her partner Chris. I was unable to access her adult son's blood test results as he had not given permission for me to see those. Did you have to install a water tank at your own expense at your showgrounds road property? Yes, we did. Did you ask Defence to help with that? Well, what happened, we already owned that water tank from our other old property that we'd sold. So we transported that over and um, set that up at our new property and filled that up with rainwater. And I do remember at some point the Defence Department saying that they were going to provide us with water to fill that tank up and that's when the tanker delivery started. Have they been filling up your tank for you? They have and they even left it in our own hands that when we were getting low on water that we'd phone the contractor and supplier ourselves who we developed a relationship with and who would just come on the property and fill it up for us. Do you know where that water comes from? Yes, it's safe from the Toowoomba water supply from Mount Kainai. That's good news. And they're paying for that? They are, but that has stopped now because we've been all connected to the town water scheme over there. We'll come back to Jennifer's story in a moment. Because the PFAS chemicals have been used in the firefighting foam since the 1970s, the history of Oki's water supply is important. A Toowoomba Regional Council fact sheet about the Oki water supply tells Oki residents, your reticulated drinking water is safe. It comes from the Mount Kynock water treatment plant in Toowoomba and is piped to Oki. It is safe to drink and for indoor and outdoor use. The PFAS contamination from the Oki Army Aviation Base impacts only groundwater sources. There is no relationship between the underground water aquifers, the bore water supply, and Council's reticulated water supply. For the locals, they're probably well aware of it, but just for the benefit of listeners who are not aware of it, Oki once ran exclusively off the John Darien bore field prior to 1997. A 2018 report for Defence identified groundwater is or has historically been extracted from private and public bores for municipal supply between the 1960s and 2012. This water was used for domestic purposes, cooking, showering, laundry, filling swimming pools, irrigation of crops, watering of livestock and domestic pets, recreational purposes and irrigation of community, school, sporting fields and parks, commercial purposes, industry, hospital and mines. Here is what John Mills, Manager of Water Operations Toowoomba Regional Council said about that water history at the Oki public hearing in August in 2018. Now, prior to 1997, Oki ran off the John Darienshire bore field. The Toowoomba Oki pipeline was commissioned on the 15th of December 1997 and it was uh, paid for by the Department of Defence at numbers around about the $3 million. So in 1997, Defence paid for the Toowoomba Oki pipeline. Also in 1997, 
Defence remediated an old fire training pit at the Oki site, and this was discussed in Episode 4 of Talking PFAS with Associate Professor Robert Niven, who said the method of land farming used in 1997 would not have removed PFAS, but that it was also unlikely they would have been looking for PFAS back then. The former chair of the inquiry, Andrew Lamming, asked Defence why they would pay for a pipeline for a town in 1997. And this is the response by Mr Steve Grezkowiak, Deputy Secretary of Estate and Infrastructure for Defence. I don't know. That's, um, that's before, way before uh, any uh, of this uh, PFAS issue was even comprehended. I imagine that would have been around uh, something to do with the supply of uh, suitable quality water for the base. Uh, the base is an aviation base. Uh, they do a lot of uh, airframe washing and the like, and it may well be that the, um, the groundwater, for whatever reason, acidity, or, or I just don't know. So we can take that on notice to see if we can dig into that a little bit, but I can assure you now it, wouldn't, it was not related in any way to the, the current PFAS issue that we're talking about. Right. Now, the Oakey Boarfield had not been used since the commissioning of the pipeline in 1997, and then in 2006 there was some government funding to construct a reverse osmosis water treatment plant in Oakey to uh, you know, give some more water security. Now, the Oakey Boarfield was recommissioned exclusively to field the reverse osmosis plant in Oakey. Two years earlier... At the 2016 Oki hearing, Mr Kevin Flanagan from Toowoomba Regional Council gave evidence that water was taken from the bore fields and blended with treated water from the reverse osmosis plant. He said when the plant was commissioned in October 2008, the water was coming in from the bores and it went through the RO process, the reverse osmosis process, and then was blended with raw water coming from the bores and also from Toowoomba. Mr Flanagan said only about 20% of raw bore water was mixed in with pure water, which he called a shandy. The chair said to Mr Flanagan in 2016, but then you added in bore water, which had the contaminants in it? And Mr Flanagan said, that is correct. But to be very clear here, Toowoomba Regional Council have given evidence that between that time period, when the reverse osmosis plant was used and mixed with the raw bore water, they did not know about the PFAS contamination. Now back to John Mills at the 2018 Oki hearing. Then in 2012, we took the Oki RO offline for routine maintenance and uh, some further work that we were needing to do on it, and uh, it hasn't been online since. So since uh, 2012, Oki has been exclusively fed from the uh, Toowoomba bulk water supply. Mr Andrew Lamming, the former chair of the 2018 inquiry, asked Mr John Mills whether PFAS was the reason the reverse osmosis plant was shut down. And this was his reply. No, that was just purely operational. We have to pull them to bits and yep. make sure your backwashes are okay and that sort of stuff. So it was just taken offline purely for uh, operational reasons. Now back to Jennifer's story, where she's talking about the property they used to own near the reverse osmosis plant. We used to own a property near the water treatment plant, the reverse osmosis water treatment plant that belongs to the Toowoomba City Council, the now defunct White Elephant Anyway, um, we bought that property, we put a lot of money into it, we developed it and um, one day I was filling up the 
blue water container for our horses after we'd built stables and whatever and there was this oily substance on the top of the water and I said to Chris will you stop washing your hands in the water trough please you're leaving this funny thing on the surface a purple swirl he said I don't and what I thought it was that was that somebody had used my hose to siphon petrol out of a car or something and they hadn't washed it out properly and I remember distinctly picking the water up in my fingers and splashing it on my face and sniffing it at the same time to see if I could smell petrol fumes and could you no I couldn't it was a white purpley foamy substance on my trough now since the reverse osmosis plant has not been operational since 2012 Andrew Lemming also asked if PFAS was the reason that it hasn't been used again. Did PFAS then subsequently play any role in not reopening that facility? Was there any sense that it had any impact in it not reopening? Not at that stage, but it wasn't taken offline because of that. It was taken offline for other reasons. In 2016, in a Toowoomba Regional Council written submission to the first PFAS inquiry in Australia, CEO Brian Pidgeon wrote, As Army Aviation Centre Oki is located on the same aquifer from which the Oki water treatment plant draws feed water, the presence of PFAS in the aquifer originating from prolonged use of firefighting chemicals at the centre effectively meant that the Oki water treatment plant could not be returned to service due to the risk of toxicity that PFAS presents. So that explains why Jenny called the reverse osmosis plant the white elephant and why it's not being used. When were you advised to turn off your bores at Showgrounds Road? You know, we've never been formally told, turn your bore off. Nobody's come along and put a lock on our bore. Nobody's come along and cut the cord. Nobody's come along and said, you cannot use your bore water. You are not allowed to bring that up into the environment. You know, if I was an irresponsible person who wanted to contaminate the environment even further, um, I could be still pumping that water up. So if you did sell it, would someone just use it? Definitely, definitely. Is there a register that shows the bore is contaminated? No, there isn't. There isn't. There were lots of questions asked of Toowoomba Regional Council regarding the bores and who had responsibility over making sure that contaminated bore water was not brought back up and spread into the environment. This is Mr Andrew Lamming, former chair of the PFAS inquiry held in 2018. From your knowledge, are you aware of any active bores in these locations that are potentially putting PFAS contaminated water onto private property? I I don't know of any, no. This is Malandiri McCarthy, Labor Senator for the Northern Territory, who also sat on the committee. If you don't know, uh, are there any steps in place by the council to actually find out? Um, not, I don't think we've taken any steps to find out if any private residents are using uh, their private bores and irrigating and continuing to use those. No. Okay. Has there been any correspondence with the state government responsible for bores on private property about the wisdom or otherwise of continuing to pump PFAS-affected water for any purpose? And if not, is there a reason why that correspondence hasn't happened? I'm not aware of any correspondence, John. Are you aware of any? No. Council have stopped using their contaminated bores on public land, but it is unclear who is responsible for the private bores. Uh, We're just trying to understand why you've taken a decision not to use it on 
your public property, uh, but there's been no move to look at whether people on private land are continuing to do so. It's suggesting to me that it isn't a great concern to the state government if that's occurring, if, if nothing's happened to prevent it. So I think the, the question, Mr Chair, is best directed, as Defence suggested, to DNRME. Um, it is probably not a council responsibility to monitor. The issue of PFAS in irrigation water in Oki is important. In a 2017 report written for the Department of Defence, it says this... The presence of higher PFAS concentrations in surface soil in the Oakey Township area is attributed to surface transport of PFAS in floodwater and sediments during inundation events and the use of groundwater containing PFAS for irrigation purposes. I contacted the Department of Natural Resources, Mines and Energy, who Toowoomba Regional Council say they have responsibility over private bore licences. I asked them five questions. What happens when a private bore is found to be contaminated with PFAS? Who is responsible to make sure a private bore contaminated with PFAS is not used? For example, is there any tagging or capping of the bore? What exactly is the role of the Department of Natural Resources, Mines and Energy when it comes to private bores? Does the DNRME keep a register of private bores contaminated with PFAS? Has the department notified Oki residents, registered bore owners, of the PFAS contamination, especially those living in the management area? This is the response that I received, attributed to a Department of Natural Resources, Mines and Energy spokesperson. The Commonwealth Department of Defence continues to manage the response from the use of aqueous firefighting foams at the Oki airbase. The Department of Natural Resources, Mines and Energy continues to provide advice on groundwater issues. The DNRME, in conjunction with the Queensland Interdepartmental Committee, is working with the Department of Defence and, if required, can impose short-term restrictions on the take of water. And basically, they said if a private bore is found to be contaminated with PFAS, then the owner should ring the Department of Defence. So questions still remain, who is responsible when a private bore is contaminated with PFAS to make sure that the contaminated water is not brought up into the environment? When did you get town water connected at Showgrounds Road? Last year, 2018. And how did you feel about that? Well, it's what you call a double-edged sword really, isn't it? We needed the water because, you know, our horses have to drink. There's never any rain in Oakey, so your water tank doesn't get filled up. I understand that you have to deal with these things when you're living on a rural property. Sometimes, you know, the water level in the aquifer drops and you, you have no access to your bore water till it rains again and fills back up or, you know, water comes back into the aquifer. And those are the kind of things that country people or people living on bore water and rainwater have to deal with. You set up your place so that you can have water at all costs and at all times you don't leave yourself without water but in my mind how I feel about this is that this is through no fault of my own and I've always said that and I'm being forced to deal with something that I didn't think that I would ever have to deal with and in a way if my ball broke down and I had to go and pay a thousand dollars to get that fixed that's my problem if the aquifer dropped and we couldn't access our ball water that's our problem we just get the tank filled up all of those things can be dealt with and that's part of living in the country. You know, you can be in the shower one day and you 
your ball pump decides to crap itself and you've got no water and you've got to run out with shampoo in your hair and flick it over to the tank or something to get your water but those are the sorts of things that in my life I've dealt with when I've been working on these rural properties or staying on them or wherever I've lived in my life that's what happens when you're in the country but PFAS doesn't happen it's put there by somebody it's done to us by somebody the defense department did this to us they put it there this is through no fault of our own i've been living in limbo land for nearly six years every time i go to my beautiful property i think about this and it's not about oh i'm going to die of cancer because i'm contaminated with pfas how i feel about this and i'm sure my partner chris does too and others that are in this situation is that I'm paying for a crime that I didn't commit. I'm like somebody sitting on death row where every day you're in a state of not knowing what's going to happen to you, that the jailer or the guard could come and knock on your cell any minute and come and drag you out and execute you. It's like waiting to die. It's like not knowing what's going to happen to you in your future. And of course, as you get a bit older, you start to think about those things. You start to think about the stages of your life and Chris and I are at an age now where we want to be settled. We've worked bloody hard to get what we've got. We've both worked our guts out to buy this and be what we thought we were going to be. During the hearing in Oki in 2016, on the 9th of March, the committee heard powerful evidence from residents about the health and mental health implications of having elevated levels of PFOS and PFOA in their blood, the lack of an adequate and timely response by defence and Queensland government authorities, the collapse in the value of their properties and the overall uncertainty surrounding their future. And I'm a big believer in people and their choices and a big believer in that people should be able to say how they feel and freedom of speech. Now, I have lost my choice to live the way that I want to live. And in saying that, if I chose to put a facade sign on my property tomorrow and move to the beach at Balmana to be with my mother, I should be able to do that, but I can't. That choice to me has gone. I can't sell it. The bank won't lend anybody to buy it. Nobody would want to buy it in their right mind. And if they did, they'd be trying to screw me down for nothing. And also I can't sell it because my ethics wouldn't let me. How could I sell a contaminated property onto another family? What I want from the Defence Department and this government is to fix this in a way that I don't mean I want them to scrub the water or fix the soil. They can do that in their own time. I just want them to stop using us, contamination victims. I want them to stop using us as guinea pigs and I want them to be able to restore our choices. I want my choices given back to me. I want my power given back to me. And I want that and I want it soon because my life is wasting away. I live in fear every day. I live in anguish every day. My lovely son is only 19. He's got PFAS in his blood. I fear for his future. I try to just shove that down because if I think about that, you would just go insane because I've done that to my child. (laughs) You know, I can't carry the guilt of this. This is a frigging huge problem that has affected me. It's affected my life. It's affected my partner's life. It's affected our relationship. 
we had a pretty good life in Oki before this happened to us. Chris has lived in this community all his life. He was born and bred. He was brought back from hospital to live here all his life. And I'm a relative newcomer. I've only been here 20 years. But my son was born and bred here too. He went to school here. He was a member of the community. He played football. He, you know, he's got great mates around the place. As part of the Australian government's response to the PFAS contamination, they have been providing a free PFAS blood test for people who live or work or who have lived or worked in the areas of the RAF Base Williamtown, New South Wales, Army Aviation Centre Oakey, Queensland or RAF Base Tyndall, Northern Territory. But residents around the country have expressed frustration in being unable to access their free PFAS blood test or being talked out of having it done by GPs. And some people have given evidence that they have been denied the pathology form to obtain the PFAS blood test. Other GPs who conduct the testing, like Dr Peter Spafford in Catherine in the Northern Territory, were told that they could not advertise the PFAS blood test to the community. He said that in his evidence at the Catherine public hearing in 2018. Jenny also gave evidence at the Oki public hearing that her son was talked out of having his second PFAS blood test done. He asked for his PFAS blood test and he was verbaled out of getting the uh, request for, for SNN to get it done. And when he came home, I said, did you get your request for Sullivan Nicolaides? And he said, no, mum. And I said, why? And he said, because the doctor told me I didn't need a PFAS test. And I said, did you tell that doctor that you have lived in Oki all your 18 years, that you had played in PFAS contaminated swimming pools all your life, that you were drinking out of PFAS contaminated hoses. And I said, and the doctor told you that you didn't need a PFAS blood test. And he said, no, he told me I don't. We are entitled to those blood tests. I went down to get my second PFAS blood test not long ago and I spoke to a GP and I said to her, oh, by the way, could I have a um, pathology request to go and have my second PFAS test? She said, oh, this is the first one I've done. I've been here for a few months and I haven't done one of those. She spoke to somebody else. She hung up the phone with a quizzical look on her face and said, oh, I've got to ask you, why do you want that? And I said, because I've had one and I want another because four or five years has passed and I want to know what my levels are now. She asked me questions that she had no right in asking me about why I wanted the PFAS test done, how long I'd lived in Oki, what properties I'd lived on, all this information that she shouldn't have been asking me. I've brought this up with a member of the Federal Health Department and I told her that I'd said that in evidence at the Senate inquiry and she told me that she would look well into it. And do you believe that she has looked into it? I've had no feedback from her as yet, but she did say that she would give me feedback. But I've given her 12 months. In a 2017 report... It says this about the blood levels in Oki. PFAS concentrations measured in blood of people living in Oki are elevated above typical background concentrations for people in Australia. And I do believe that the evidence and the blood testing and the epidemiological value is not being garnered. Mr Andrew Lamming, the Liberal member for Bowman, was the former chair of the parliamentary inquiry. This is what he had to say about the committee's findings regarding blood test. The committee wanted to see an improvement in voluntary blood testing because this is our key source of longitudinal information. They track the important ability of this organic chemical that is persistent uh, by ingestion through the gut for those that have lived for various periods of time in contaminated areas. And obviously the goal is to look for long-term health impacts of exposure to PFAS and the effectiveness of the ways in which we break PFAS exposure pathways. And 
The committee found it was really important to collect this data assiduously, that medical practitioners themselves shouldn't be taking systematic solo flights on who they test and who they don't, but the testing should be freely available to that target group, and we work on making that coverage as high as possible. However, despite Andrew Lamming's comments and the committee's recommendations to the Australian government that blood testing should be freely available to the target group and the need to make that coverage as high as possible, the Australian government's voluntary blood testing program has just ended on the 30th of June 2019. And this was the response from a spokesperson for the Department of Health. The voluntary blood testing program and support now counselling service ceased on 30th of June 2019. Whilst the Support Now program ceased, people who live or work or who have lived or worked in the RAF base Williamtown, New South Wales, Army Aviation Centre Oakey, Queensland and the RAF base Tyndall Northern Territory investigation areas are still able to access Australian government funded dedicated mental health and counselling services through their local primary health networks. This support is provided through face-to-face counselling sessions provided by GPs or upon referral from a GP to an appropriate mental health and counselling service in their region. Individuals can also access the digital mental health gateway called Head to Health, which helps connect Australians to information, advice and free or low-cost phone and online mental health services and supports. Since 2012, when authorities in Australia learnt about the PFAS contamination coming from defence bases, Australia has had five Prime Ministers and seven Defence Ministers, leaving affected communities frustrated with the constant changing of the Guard and revolving doors of PMs and Defence Ministers. We're coming up to six years of this and we are all sick of it. We've had everybody to our doors. We've written endless emails. We've had people coming. We've had the Prime Minister at the time, um, Malcolm Turnbull, who came out to Diane's farm, Berwick Stud. We've had him. There's such a long list that's longer than your arm of the politicians that we've um, had to our homes and our properties promising us that they are going to do this and do that and nothing has ever come of it. I get really, really sick of it and I get sick of these politicians using us as a tool, use it to get votes, use it against us, use it for us. And you know, right back at the beginning of this when all this happened, there was the original 75 to 80 people that were involved. We had the defence lawyers to our properties. We spoke with them on a one-to-one basis and They gave us a bit of hope in that we thought that, yes, they can see that there's people struggling here and at Williamtown and that there are people that need to be taken off their properties that were in financial dire straits that were suffering, businesses were suffering, etc. And I thought that they would just clear us out. I thought that they would just help us and not get rid of us, but get us out of the way because we've always said this that they can do all the human health risk assessments they want they can do all the studies they want but get us out of the way first stop using us as guinea pigs you've told me what you want defense to do for you but how should the australian government be responding to this it is a national issue I think Dr Andrew Jeremajenko said it best and he gave evidence at our Senate inquiry and what he said is the first thing that the Australian government needs to do is ratify the Stockholm Convention and ban this stuff. Banning it would come a long way in solving the 
problems. And you can hear the comments made by Dr. Andrew Jeremijenko in evidence in episode 9 of Talking PFAS, where I give a full wrap of the 2018 parliamentary inquiry. You will also hear in that episode many stories from other residents about how PFAS has affected them, plus the committee's recommendations. And Andrew Jeremijenko got a bit technical at the Senate inquiry, as you can read the evidence. But what, in a nutshell, what he is saying is this stuff is replaceable, even though it's very expensive to do so. We need to ban it, basically. Ban this chemical from our shores, get rid of it, replace it with something that is not going to harm people. They need to start fixing the problem, fix what they've done, fix it by way of letting people get on with their lives, giving them their choices back, whether that be property buybacks, compensation payouts. The committee who conducted the 2018 PFAS inquiry, which consisted of public hearings in Williamtown, Catherine, Oakey and Canberra, presented their report to the House of Representatives on the 3rd of December 2018. The Australian government was due to respond by the 3rd of March 2019, but as at the publishing of this episode, they have still not given a response to the committee's nine recommendations, which included a case for compensation. It's not about money and it's not about getting a quick cash grab as we've been accused of wanting. And it's not about lawyers. You know, we shouldn't have had to engage lawyers at all. We should have been able to deal with the Defence Department as another government department that works for us. We pay them, they work for us. We should have been able to engage with the Defence Department and the Health Department to come to some sort of agreement where they help us and get us out of this situation that they've put us in. One thing that surprised me, Jenny, at the parliamentary inquiry that I watched online for Oki, how Oki is is divided on this issue. It's really had a very negative effect on the town of Oki. Is that your lived experience? Yes, it certainly is. And I think that goes back a long way. When this first happened, you know, the whole community was a bit concerned, I'd say. And there was people and spokespeople that were coming out and saying on the news and in local media, saying that, you know, this isn't right, what's Defence going to do about it, what's happening? And the whole community had the feeling that, yes, we were all in this together. And I guess as time wore on, the division started. And it started at the public meetings because there'd be people standing up asking questions. And then there'd be other people standing up shouting those people down, telling them to shut up and go home, go away, that this is not a thing, this is not a problem. How dare you bring this town into disrepute how dare you mention in the media that this might be something that might harm Oki in the long run how dare you bring our town down in the last episode of talking PFAS episode 13 about Oki I played a portion from my interview with the Australian National University who conducted focus group studies in Catherine, Oakey and Williamtown. And you might remember that in that report they noted that varied perspectives and interests in Oakey contributed to intense debate within the community about how they should respond to PFAS contamination. And there were some people in the community who didn't like the lawyers And they weren't coming to the lawyers' meetings, so they didn't know what was happening. And how that reflected and came out in the community was when the Facebook groups started. And there was two Facebook groups formed, and we'd all get on there and have these discussions. And and I would be putting evidence, because I'm an admin on one of them, and I've been admining that group for nearly four years. And all I do is I share everything, whether it be good, bad, indifferent, negative, positive, any story about PFAS, I will put it on that group because that is what I do. I share the information and I use that group as a forum and a platform for people who want to talk about this or people who want information from other countries. 
and there was another group formed and on that other group that I used to be a member of that was where a lot of the bullying started we were then accused on that group of us wanting a quick cash grab that we had no right to demand money from the defense department because they didn't know what this was all about that the defense department were trying their hardest to help us all out and that um, we had no need to go to lawyers and that we had no right to compensation. We were called a lot of names, Diane and myself, such as bludgers and cash grabbers and the clown across the highway and all these different things. That place got so dark that there was people living in the Oki community that felt that it was okay to go and tell others to go and commit suicide. Sometimes... uh, I can feel the emotions behind that and remember how bad it was. It was a very dark place at that time and it still lives in me as a dark time. If you need help, Lifeline is there 24 hours, seven days a week on 131114. Uh, Our page is set up where there's no arguments. If you have a disagreement about the PFAS, take it elsewhere I live in Oki and I've lived in Oki for 20 years. I have nothing to do with anybody in the community of Oki anymore. I don't shop here. I don't give any business here. I work in Toowoomba. I go to my property to look after my horses and I go home because my home's in Oki. I have to live here because I'm stuck here. We have to rent a house because when we approach the broker about building up a house on the property that we bought on Showgrounds Road, the valuation came back with some words on it. And those words were that we were contaminated from the nearby Oki Army Aviation Base. And that is on my valuation paperwork. Jennifer kindly provided me with a copy of her valuation. This was written on her paperwork. Please note that the property lies within an environmentally affected area, reportedly as a result of contamination from the nearby Oki Army Base. We have made inquiries through the Toowoomba Regional Council Planning Division, which has indicated that the property is currently not on the contaminated register. So our broker then told us that he wasn't going to take that paperwork to a bank. And I remember that phone call to our broker because he said to me, Jenny, just sit tight for a while and we'll see what happens. And I said, okay, I'll do that because, you know, he'd seen us right before and he knew what he was talking about. And he said to me, you know, Jenny, I could get you another house in Oki to go and live in that you can buy. But what I'm worried about is that the bank may foreclose on your contaminated property. And where are you going to come up with that certain amount of money to pay your property before the bank forecloses on it? And he said, I don't want to put you in a position where you're going to end up financially in a lot of trouble. And uh, we are are in financial trouble because we're paying somebody else's mortgage to keep a, a roof over our heads as a family. And it's been hard to stick together as a family unit not having our own home because we've always had our own home. We can't build on our property. We can't sell our property. We're stuck. And I'd just like to say this too, that this is what I think the Defence Department thinks of me and my family. And I've said this before and I've said it on record in the media, is that I believe that the Defence Department doesn't care what happens to us, what happens to our future, and they don't care a jot about our financial situation. Because where would we live they don't care. Are we paying someone else's mortgage? Yes, we are. They don't care. I know that they do not care about us in the, in the grand scheme of things. All they care about is limiting their liability at every step of the way. And that is what I believe. 
A defence spokesperson told me via email that defence is committed to ensuring that the Oki community understands the outcomes of the investigation and any exposure risks that, that may apply to them. Defence is regularly engaged with the Oki community through several channels including phone calls, community events, email updates, fact sheets and home visits. What's your opinion of the media coverage of PFAS? We have had episodes with journalists and newspapers that have been really, really good. There's been the Four Corners expose. We had a really good journalist with the Brisbane Courier-Mail, Rianne Dutrom. She was very good. And we've also got the wonderful Carrie Fellner from Newcastle. We have found that some reportings, especially local news reportings, they're very one-sided. It's like trying to make positive out of a negative What's going on in Oki? Yes, we'll talk about what's going on in Oki, but we're not going to say anything negative. We're going to interview people downtown who are going to say, everything's fine, everything's fine, nothing to see here. And people who say that the media has ruined this town. But my thing is that I tell the journalists all the time, it's the Defence Department. They did this. It's not the journalists or the people who are talking about it or the people reporting on it. It is the Defence Department. That's who it is. The problem is the Defence Department and their inaction and the way that they have dealt with this. I want people to know in Australia what's going on here, that this is a dirty little secret that's happening in a couple of towns, Catherine, Williamtown, Oakey, and 90 other sites around Australia. This is here, this is happening, this is real. It's a major catastrophe and it's not being treated like that, but it is, and it will all come out. Thank you very much for talking with me today, Jenny, and sharing your story. Thank you, Kayleen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please download and share so more people can hear this. The next episode of Talking PFAS, I will bring you a conversation with an Australian researcher from Queensland who has looked into PFAS in landfill leachate, floodwaters and wastewater treatment plants in Australia. So when we measured the concentrations of PFAS in both the influent and effluent, we found something interesting, which was the effluent sample, so that treated water actually had higher concentrations of PFAS. And it suggests that something's happening to these PFAS chemicals during the treatment process. There's some kind of transformation or enhancement of the levels. Thank you once again for listening to Talking PFAS. See you next time. If you need help, Lifeline is there 24 hours, 7 days a week on 13114. All the information and audio in today's episode is copyright. Please contact me for permissions. Thank you.